Good evening from Plug Hit Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 532 of F5 Live, refreshing technology for Sunday, July 21st, 2019. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Russia wants your face. Google has canceled censorship. And Netflix is leaning into originals. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, on um, any of our uh, any of the podcatchers, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, or of course the myriad of others like TuneIn Radio or Spotify, uh, on any of our live stream platforms, Livestream.com, Periscope, Mixer, Twitch, YouTube Live, Facebook Live, or of course on our website, PlugHitsLive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to f5live.tv slash join us. And there you can chat with us in the studio like uh, Craig is on uh, Twitch right now. Uh, and give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. If you can't join us live, that's okay. Plughitslive.com slash subscribe will give you all of our shows, including F5 Live and The Pilch Point, plus Plug Hits Live Presents, F, uh, uh, First Looks, and a host of others. With that, I think that's the, the spiel, Avram. It's been, uh, it's been two weeks since last week uh, MetroCon got in the way. How have you been? Uh, well, it would have gotten in the way for me, too, actually, because... We put a lot of effort into um, covering Prime Day, mm-hmm. and so you know we were giving every our readers up to the minute deals, which required me to be, you know, working really long hours. Yeah. Uh, between uh, last Saturday and like Tuesday, I worked like I don't know, like a good forty. 45 hours something like that um so i i uh from sunday sunday i actually sunday and monday I actually stayed over at my office so Oof. um so i mean it, they got me a hotel but i was in it maybe three hours a night for sleep so so you know uh prime day is kind of a super bowl in that we um you know a lot of people are buying stuff and we want to yeah. make sure that we have up to the minute coverage of that. And it's, you know, not just Amazon, but all over the place. So, right. Yeah. So, uh, what, did, what, if anything, did you buy, uh, for the, on the occasion, uh, for prime day, I actually did not spend a penny this year. Um, which is very different for me. Um, for those who are watching live, cause you can't see it in the recorded version. Um, the stand that Avram's TV here is on that I'm holding on to was purchased on Prime Day a couple of years ago. The computer that we retired two weeks ago that his Skype used to run on came on Prime Day. Um, and the mounts that are holding him in front of me <laughs> were Prime Day mounts as well. Um, but yeah, this year I just... I didn't find anything that just screamed, have to have it today. Yeah, um, well, 
there you know there wasn't a ton but i did get one thing that was pretty cool okay do i have it around here it may not be within arm's reach of, of me here uh i'm gonna say probably well i have the box for it where the actual thing is it actually be more important but so i got this um all right something from is, anchor uh and uh, yes, something from Anchor is always the th right thing to get on, on on Prime Day. So this is a brand new charger uh, that does a 60 watt USB power delivery charger. Okay. Uh, that is really really small. It's they just launched it for Prime Day, and okay. it was on a sale for thirty six dollars. Thirty six dollars. So it does 60 watt USB uh, power delivery. Uh, which is good because my laptop here takes USB charging and I needed another um, another adapter for it sure. because of the situation that I ran into when I was in Taiwan this year, which is a great example of why you everybody should have a USB-C powered laptop. So I was packing up for my trip to Taiwan as I always do for Computex. And when I realized that, uh-oh, I left my uh, my power adapter that came with my laptop at my office. You know, I didn't notice it because here my laptop plugs into USB-C dock and charges that way. Right. Take the dock the dock is huge. Can't take that with me. So, um, you know, I took the laptop with me and I took I had like a 30 watt charger that was good enough to charge it, but not really to use it while while it was on or it would, sure. you, it would work, but it would give me this message saying like it has to throttle or something. Cause it's not enough juice. Um, but, um, I sent email out to all my colleagues who were going and one of my nice colleagues, uh, bill from, from tech radar, uh, had an extra MacBook charger and he let me borrow his MacBook charger for the duration of the trip. And the MacBook charger worked just fine on my ThinkPad. So like, that's, hooray that's for, why. Hooray for standards, um, A. Right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, B, right. hooray for a good colleague. And, uh, but, you know, you're not yeah. always going to have, you're not always going to have that convenience of a colleague with a, a compatible charger. I mean, the, though, what I could have done, but his charger was good enough, was good enough and he didn't need it back. I didn't, you know, go out of my way. But when I was in Taiwan, they had places in like the computer mall sure. that were selling chargers. Some of, um, I think the ones that would have enough wattage for this were quite expensive, like fifty, sixty dollars. And since I had one, I didn't, and the, I didn't spend the extra money. Sure. Uh, but it stayed in my mind. Hey, I could use another one. Um, so. So when I saw a brand new one from Anchor, which is a really great brand for chargers. Yeah. Um, especially now that they've, I, uh, they've been going through all the proper certifications on stuff like G certification and stuff. Uh, you can actually guaranteed trust them again. Hooray. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, oh, I think I found it. Okay. There was a short while where, where they were having some troubles, but Okay. Just a standard little Apple-looking brick. 
it's, but very... it's really, really small. Yeah. If I had an Apple brick here, it would be significantly smaller than this. You know. Yeah, the Apple so... ones are like fifty percent bigger. That one's teeny. All right. I mean, just 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 to show you, here's my phone. <laughs> for compar- here's yes, my phone good, for comparison. Good scale. Okay. You know, that's pretty. You know. Yeah. That's pretty. Pretty darn darn small. Like here's a mouse for comparison. Yeah. Okay. Right. Nice. So anyway, so that that's the main thing I got on Prime Day. That and I got a, a micro SD card, another micro SD card because I could always use one of those. Yeah, um, that was that was one of the things so, I was thinking about because this new mixer that we've got takes a micro SD card, but eh. <laughs> I didn't engage. Yeah, I mean it depends how what you need. Considering all the Raspberry Pi stuff I I do, I'm yeah. always like losing and having like a slew of because of, because the the operating system is on a micro sd card so mm-hmm. you want to try one thing you want to try another thing yeah um that makes so sense i got a 32 gigabyte card for five dollars and fifty cents a, a samsung one although this weekend i was at micro center which is the if you have if you live near one of the 20 micro centers in the world uh, you should definitely go there because it's the absolute best place to buy maker stuff. Um, they have their own house brand of cards. 32 gigabytes is like $4.80. And I bought a bunch of 16 gig cards because for Raspberry Pi Project 16, I'd actually be okay for some of them for $2.80 a card. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's so, not bad. Anyway. That's a, that's a good place to be. <laughs> well, as uh, as most of our viewers know, I spent last weekend at at MetroCon with a couple of the three thousand brigade cast members, which was a tremendous amount of fun. I always, I always like doing three thousand brigade shows, and uh, the good news is, yes, we did another episode of uh, the Special Toad Detective uh, radio drama series. So. That will be coming soon. Uh, that was... It was a lot of fun. <laughs> I think this might be my favorite episode. Um, if you were if you were around, you could have seen it live or participated. But uh, yeah, it'll be out soon. As soon as Jason gets it back to me. Um, but it was, a, it was a good one this time. But yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. It's always fun having Aaron in town. Um... So that was that was my last weekend. It was a it was a long weekend. They are always a long weekend, but it was a lot of fun. I always like having Aaron around. But with that, how about we get down to some news? This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new phone, a new tablet, um, a computer, an Xbox One, uh, either S or X, or a whole variety of of other products, including uh, controllers and Samsung phones or earbuds and all kinds of other stuff, 
you can find them all at the Microsoft Store. And remember, both students and military get a 10% discount on uh, almost everything available at the Microsoft Store. And you can find all of that by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. All right. So unless you were living under a rock this week, um, you certainly came across somebody who was talking about FaceApp. Um, now, this product is not new. It is not the first time that it has become popular, but it is the first time that um, since their big privacy policy changes that it has become popular. And so... Um, we felt we needed to talk about it because as we've talked about most of the year, 2019 is our year of security and privacy focus. And so, uh, this kind of violates both of those. So let's talk about it. Uh, the app for those who don't know, uh, is, uh, an artificial intelligent powered, uh, application on a server that takes you upload a photo it takes that photo, it does something to it. The thing that was popular right now was uh, aging your face however many decades, um, and then uh, giving you that photo back. Now, while that sounds harmless, let's talk about why it's not. First, um, like most apps like this, uh, you give the platform the... Um, the option, the ability to use your photo uh, for whatever. And you also, under their new privacy policy, you also give them permission to uh, get, to sell that right to other people as well, which is always a questionable thing. But Facebook and Instagram have essentially the same privacy policy. Here's where this one becomes a problem. It is a Russian company and an artificial intelligence that learns how to make better fake photos the more photos are uploaded. And that is where our concern starts to, starts to arise because we know that, um, that Russian companies, whether under the, the thumb of the government or not, uh, Russian companies have done all kinds of things with, uh, fake photos, fake videos, fake social media accounts. And so uh, with this product, this company is training an AI to get better at making fake photos of people, which obviously is not an ideal situation for anybody. But in, today, in today's world, especially not uh, for a Russian company who then has the option to license or sell that to somebody else. Ah, <sighs> yes. Um, first of all, I saw a lot of people using this so this past I. week. And I really, uh, some of them, I was like, I hadn't seen in a few years. And I was like, oh, man, you've really gotten old. <laughs> um, then I realized they used the filter. Um, what happens if you point it at someone who already is really old? Does it just show like a rotting corpse or, or uh. some... Or some dirt or ashes. I saw, I saw somebody just post a photo of of a pile of sand and said, "This is what FaceApp gave me," <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, I mean, 
I mean, first of all, I don't want to look at that. I I'm with you However, there. However, if they had one that made me, if they had one that made me look young again, then uh, <laughs> then we're talking. If they did for me like uh, like they did for uh, Samuel L. Jackson in in Captain Marvel, where he looks significantly younger than in real life. Sure. Um, you know, maybe, or uh, maybe that we could talk about. Or Tony Stark in in Iron Man. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of de-aging stuff that's done yeah. in the movie. So, um, so, yeah, if they want to want to do that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it seems a little crazy to be giving the right to your face to the company, whether they were from Russia or not. Um, I mean, that certainly, certainly makes it even more um, concerning. Sure. But let's not forget that let's not forget that Facebook also has abused that kind of stuff before. Sure. And um, and you know, this is it's it's very similar in concept to what happened with with Cambridge Analytica, right? Which is a what, a British company or something? Um Yeah. Who exactly who took advantage of uh of a loophole in in data rights to to do all kinds of data mining that they weren't allowed to do. You know, the same thing could happen here. I'm very concerned about deep fakes. Yeah. I think deep fakes are going to become a really serious problem. Um, if not already, they're going to become a much more serious problem. Yeah. So you're getting better and better at doing these thing at doing these things. You're going to be able to do deep fakes without a lot of data on someone. Right. Um, but it may not even matter whether you're a participant in this face app because if somebody could grab your picture from Facebook mm-hmm. or from LinkedIn or anywhere that you have a, a, a footprint online, then someone can probably do something with it. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know, and they can probably do something with it. Yeah. And doing a, um, you know, a, a Google image or a Bing image search for faces is a good way to train a an AI as well, but boy, you know, if you can get people to upload various face pictures of themselves or others, you know, that's that's just a ready supply of AI training, which it, it's literally it's literally the definition of a deep fake, right? Because it's it's using AI to create a false image of a real human being. That's what, what face app is doing in this case. Um, but it's doing it in a theoretically harmless way. But the idea that, that they could, that they're training an AI on how to do it better is definitely a concern for me because, you know, we talked, we talked at, uh, at the Orlando regional, uh, not this year, but last year, uh, with Dr. Woody flowers, who, uh, is from MIT and spent decades with MIT. And, um, you know, he talked about how, you know, a year and a half ago, it was already becoming a problem and the AIs weren't even good at it yet. Uh, they just needed, they just needed more faces. And here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to be, it's going to be a problem and there's going to, you know, it's going to cast into doubt every everything that you that you think is true right i mean like 
So if you see a scandalous picture of a famous person, now they have an app. They it's it, it works both ways. Either either holy cow, someone could could really ruin someone's reputation with this, or holy cow, someone could have a really legit picture and people not believe it because there's so many such good deep fakes out there that anybody can claim anybody can claim that something is a deep fake. Yeah. It'll become the new the new I was hacked. Remember, sure. Remember there was a there was a time I think I think now it just doesn't go over so well, but there was a time for a while where you know politicians or somebody who were caught saying something that they were regretted on on social media would always say, "Oh, somebody hacked me. I was hacked." Uh-huh. You know. Then it would turn out that they weren't. I think that was like the big thing with Anthony Weiner and his uh, scandal was that he is he first, absolutely the one was I was thinking. Was, you know, the first to come out and say he was hacked, and then have to walk it back. But you know, again, people can. You know, that's something that that that's something that's that's easily disproved. That's well, through forensics, probably disprovable. Yeah. Like, oh, you you think you were hacked? Well, here's proof that you logged in from here, but. Yeah, I mean it's uh, yeah, so it's it's frightening. Mm-hmm. Uh, my advice to people is don't do it. But I wouldn't necessarily say that the Face app is significantly worse than all those other things that people are using with the um, which is the one that has filters that make you look like a cat or a dog or Snapchat. whatever. Snapchat filters, yeah. right? Yeah, Snapchat. So. Um, <laughs> I I would just like to point out. Speaking of Snapchat filters, I would like to point out that uh, once again, a government agency streamed a uh, political meeting with the cat filter turned on. It was Singapore two (laughs) weeks ago. It was the National Canadian Mounties yesterday. (laughs) Totally unrelated. Favorite story of the week. (laughs) Um, But yeah, um most of those are mostly about head shape more than anything but there's the one that always drives me crazy with the little hearts around your head that that's not really why people use it they use it because it actually uh like smooths uh your face out and like thins your face so it's definitely it's definitely i know i it drives me mad doesn't matter that's not what we're talking about. Uh, but but yeah, their Snapchat filter is definitely using, um, is definitely doing uh, real like face structure uh, alteration. So it's certainly more more advanced than the cat ears or whatever. But yeah, you were rubbing your can head. I, I need I, to know uh, why. <laughs> I want to deep fake some hair from here to here. <laughs> I was wondering if that's where you were going with that. Yeah, I want to. I want to deep fake some hair. Well, my guess is we could probably make that happen pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, especially at this point. But anyway, yeah. The I guess I guess our warning here is the same as as it is when we talk about the the which Harry Potter house are you quiz on Facebook or what three celebrities are you a mix of or whatever stupid thing is the the thing of the week it's it's a lot of information you're giving up for absolutely no reason we my recommendation is don't do it it's really not that much fun 
and most of your friends get annoyed by it. So it doesn't even help there. <laughs> so I, I think that's that that's my recommendation. What do you think? Sounds good. Don't do it. Yeah. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Pure VPN. Uh, when you're when you're browsing online, no matter where you are and what service you're using, uh, a VPN is a great way to help you kind of obfuscate your your uh, browsing trends. Whether you're trying to keep Facebook and Google out of your business or your ISP, a VPN uh, can help with all of that and. We have got a deal for you on Pure VPN right now. Uh, you can actually get uh, two years of service uh, for two dollars and eighty-eight cents a month, which works out to sixty-nine dollars for two full years of service, which I think is a pretty great deal. And you can get this uh, this offer by going to pilchpoint.live/purevpn. So, Avram, you have been working on a project for a little while, and uh, I think we're going to get a pro so, some progress shots, right? Yes. So let's let's talk a minute. I um, one of the cool things you can do with my favorite new toy, the Raspberry Pi Four, is uh, and and actually do I think a little more easily with older Raspberry Pis because there's more support out there. Is make an emulator machine, make an arcade machine. Um, so. I've been working on testing something from uh, the company Pimeroni, which uh, makes a lot of really, really cool Raspberry Pi accessories. Um, I think I might have shown previously the, uh, the, uh, their case, which is pretty cool, the, uh, the Pibo case. It's like a rainbow color. Mm -hmm. um, and they also sent me, and I've been working on it, uh, this. I'll show you the poster. To show you what it will look like. I love that it's a this poster. Is called. They, it came with a poster, so. Can you see? That's the, cool. The Picade. I love Pi that. Cade. So, it even looks like it comes straight out of Stranger Things. Yes, it does. That's um, exactly what I was thinking. Like, they... they this, it, it looks like I mean the, the the lights the colors look like it come come straight out of Stranger Things, or from or from that wonderful uh, Kung Fury movie. Um, anyway, so uh, so unfortunately, my son and I have been working on it, and the instructions were a little difficult for us at first because we kept looking at videos for different versions of the Pi Cade. This is the brand new one that supports the Raspberry Pi Four, so and has a ten inch screen. So here I have like the shell of it, um, and we're working on the part with the screen, uh, and it should, you know, it should take two to three hours. Um, I'm just uh, confused myself by reading some of the older versions of the instructions and watching older versions of the video because I have the newest, brand spanking new revision of it, which is a 10 inch, not an 8 inch screen. Uh, so this thing goes for around $200. Well, Pimeroni sells it for 195 pounds, uh, but you you can get it. You can order from their site in dollars or uh, add a fruit 
imports them, although I'm not sure if Adafruit has this latest 10-inch uh, model just yet. Um, they may. So, uh, so what's cool about it is it comes with the 10-inch screen. It comes with all the arcade buttons. It comes with the joystick. Uh, what it doesn't come with is the Raspberry Pi. So now this model here is, was made very specifically to work with the Pi 4, uh, which means it has a slightly different connector because the Pi 4 uses um, micro HDMI ports uh, for video out and it uses uh, Type-C for charging. So it has a slightly different uh, connector inside, although otherwise you can get this for, I think, the Pi 3. Um, I'm not sure you may even be able to use this for the Pi, this one with the Pi 3. I think I think probably not. But one of the catches is that right now the Pi 4 is in an, is in a strange situation emulation wise. To understand where you're at, where we're at, you need to understand how people do emulation on a Raspberry Pi, which is a very popular platform for emulation. People do a ton of creating old game systems. And as I showed previously, and I just happen to have sitting over here also, this is a system that, that my son and I made uh, a few months ago that uses a Raspberry Pi 3B and runs a popular arcade emulator called um, called RetroPie. And RetroPie has a, a nice menu, and it will do emulation of a lot of different systems, uh, regular plain old arcade games, Ataris, Intellivision, ColecoVision, Nintendo 64, Commodore 64. Uh, it, it will emulate all that old, all that old stuff. Um, the problem is uh, they still haven't updated uh, even a month after it's come out. Uh, RetroPie still has, which is the most common emulator uh, environment, still hasn't been updated for the Pi 4, still doesn't work on it. So if you were wanting to do something today, what would you do? Well, you could use an older Raspberry Pi if you had one, uh, or you could download one of a couple of alternatives. So one that my son and I were using is called Laka, L-A-K-K-A. -A. Um, and they have nightly beta versions of it that come out. And so some of the beta versions now support the Raspberry Pi 4. Um, although my son and I were trying to work with one today and having trouble getting it to work, so it's definitely the software right now is more of a challenge than the hardware. Um, but give it, you know, another couple of weeks, and I'm sure that RetroPie will be ported uh, over to um, to it, and you know, whatever other systems, Laka, for example, is a good one. Uh, will probably start working better with with Pi Four. Um, but meanwhile, you can use something like this to put together the hardware. Or you can build your own box with, with buttons. Or let's say you really don't care about having it look authentic and you just want to play the games. All you need to do then is take your Raspberry Pi, be it a 4, be it a 3, whatever software you're running on it, uh, plug it, install the software on it, plug in a controller of your choice, and attach it to a TV, and it will play you, these games. You do not need... Uh, old school arcade buttons and old school fight sticks uh, and a dedicated screen to do it. Those are just really cool things to have. But as far as actually being able to play the games, you could play a lot of them on a 
on a Pi Zero W that costs five dollars. So you know, provided you attach a controller. So uh, you know, that's that's the gist of it. Now, the question you may be asking is, where are you going to get the games? That is a complicated question because they exist in kind of a legal gray area. So some folks actually own old cartridges and they've devised ways to rip them and turn them into ROMs uh, that you can use. There are sites that host ROMs you can download. Um, I'll leave that to the audience to find for themselves. But um, for, which know, is which is of are... course for the best because Nintendo has been very active about uh, seeking them out and sending yeah. cease and yeah. desist. So we won't yeah. uh, we won't give Nintendo a bulleted yeah. list of targets. There are, of course, there, but it's not only Nintendo stuff. I mean, obviously, there's just arcade games that you can play that have nothing to do with Nintendo. There's Atari 2600 games. Um, so it, it really depends on, on what you're looking for. Now, there are a couple of, like, I think, open source, uh, free freeware arcade games that you can get. But, like, none of them, unfortunately, none of them are the games that people probably really want. It's not Dig Dog. It's not Pac-Man, you know, so. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, just just for our audience's reference, as of as of airing, uh, Adafruit only has the three, not the four model. So you won't find the version that you have from Adafruit, so you will have to search a little harder. Yeah, I mean, Pimeroni.com has all these things, although they would ship it to you from the UK, and it looks like their 10-inch display model is out of stock as I'm looking at it. Um, but, uh, you know, probably probably back in stock soon. Um, I'll be, when I get this finished, I'll be putting up a full article about it. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it, how it plays. It's definitely not the easiest thing to build, but maybe because... The instructions uh, that I got could have been a little better. And then looking at the ones they have online, apparently for the wrong thing. Uh, but uh, once I get it figured out, uh, which I think I shortly will, it, it could be uh, really cool. I think what I'll really judge it on is how how is the gameplay? Like, how's the screen? How's, how's the joystick feel? How are the buttons? Um, and from my experience not all buttons are created equal. Like when I was building this thing, I tried like a score of different kinds of buttons and like these green ones here feel fantastic, right? They really click. These these lighted ones here, because I ran out of green ones and I wanted ones that were different colors, kind of stiff. So, you know, not all, not all buttons are created equal for sure. Plus they are using the type of buttons that you have to push through, not screw in. Um, so I'll have to make sure those are good because so like here I have, this is just a word to the wise here. So here I have a button that, that you have to push through when you're, when you're building your retro arcade. Now for something like the Pi Cade, it should be fine because the holes that they drilled the holes for you for the buttons. So they ought to be a perfect size. When I drilled my own holes, I found that these push through ones were never quite tight enough and if i hit the button too hard they just fall through into the box far so, less forgiving 
So I really don't like this kind. If I were building, like, by the way, there's a lot of sets on Amazon or wherever that you can get of buttons, whatever. If for those who are thinking about doing it, look at the buttons. Do not get the buttons that have this type of pressure sensitive squeezy thing. Get the ones that have a nut on it that you screw uh, to hold them in place because those are those work really well. Whereas these, if your hole is, is less than perfect or you hit it too hard, you might push the button through. Uh, so this is the cheap, cheap kind. Yeah, they're anyway. They're, so that's they're just, definitely less forgiving. The 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 screw in place ones, you know, worst case scenario, you make your your hole way too big. You could always add washers or something to to, to you know, fix right. the hole size, which is not something with those pressure ones. It it is perfect or it is nothing. Yeah. Exactly. So, anyway, long story short, uh we'll be having more about this uh, Piecade uh, shortly on Tom'sHardware.com, and uh, there's uh, a lot of cool retro gaming things you can do with your Raspberry Pi. And while the software situation, the emulator situation with Pi Four is a little in flux right now, um, I'm sure it's going to be in a really good place soon. Uh, and the hope is that it will actually run emulators that weren't possible uh, to run or didn't run well on the Pi Three. Um, you know, for example, somewhere there's a PlayStation 2 emulator. Uh, we, sh you know, I'd like to see if I could get that running on it because that's something that you really can't can't do. If I think that really requires quite a bit of processing power. Yeah, that would make sense. And with the new model having, you know, the option for way more RAM, <laughs> just just that alone, the ability to have way more RAM uh, would make you know, emulators more slightly more powerful emulators, uh, more possible. Well, I mean, you know, I'm not sure if it's the RAM itself that's going to make the big difference. I think it might be more having to do with provided that the emulators are optimized to take advantage of this processor. But mm -hmm. it's now like I think a Cortex A72 processor, which means that it can do a much higher number of instructions per clock um, than the prior ones. Uh, so, you know, it, it ought to be significantly faster and on many tests, it is two to four times faster than a Pi 3, than a Pi 3 B plus. Which is significant. You know, the two to four times is, is a significant change in, in performance. But, you know, things still need to be optimized for the Pi 4 and its graphics, uh, GPU and things like that. So we'll have to see uh, what shakes out. Very cool. So uh, obviously you're still in the in the build process on this, but uh, when you've got it together, we'll we'll see something about it on Tom's Hardware. Yes. Fantastic. Well, as always, Abram, I I love hearing about your uh, your project <laughs> progress. Is you you managed to get yourself into some really fun projects, and I always like to to see your your progress shots. So, thank you for that. Uh, always a pleasure. Wish I had it finished sooner. <laughs> I understand that. That's how projects go sometimes. <laughs>
This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is probably powered by Razer. All the accessories you need to up your game on both PC and console are available from Razer. Um, there are all kinds of deals running right now. Um, the Razer phone is actually, the Razer phone 2, I'm sorry, is on sale right now. Um, there's also uh, a whole bunch of other deals on uh, uh, keyboards and mice and their whole collection. They've got obviously the keyboards and mice like I use here in the studio, but they also offer uh, webcams and uh, mouse pads and even full systems designed specifically for gaming. And you can find all of that by going to f5live.tv slash Razor. So uh, obviously we were off last week. And so uh, one story tried to pass us by, but <laughs> they, they came back and sweetened the pot for us. So we get to talk about it this week. Uh, last week, Nintendo announced finally after several months of speculation, announced the newest member of the Switch family, the Switch Lite, which, while losing the majority of the things that made the Switch uh, unique and interesting, definitely has a place in the ecosystem. Uh, the the Joy-Con, the removable controllers off the side, are gone. The kickstand on the back is gone. The TV dock is gone. But... What it does is it essentially uh, finally puts the Nintendo 3DS and 2DS uh, out to pasture and comes in at that $199 price point that was the kind of the sweet spot for the 3DS for uh, most of its life and really fills that mobile gaming spot while bringing the modern games uh to mobile because if you've got a 3ds or a 2ds you know you are not playing the majority of the modern games that have come out for the nintendo ecosystem you have to have the switch for that and so if you don't care about that home uh, capability or the ability to take the controllers off it's really about you playing on the go then saving that hundred bucks is really a great deal um so that was that was last week and this week, <laughs> to make sure that we were able to talk about what Nintendo's been up to this month, um, they also confirmed a new model of the Switch Prime, the regular Switch device. Um, while not detailing what all the changes necessarily were, the big difference is going to be uh, up to an 80% increase in battery life, which... For anybody uh, who has who has used the on the low side two and a half and on the high side six and a half hour battery, uh, upgrading that to a maximum of nine hours of battery life is significantly better. So uh, Nintendo's definitely been been listening to to what the market was looking for from the Switch, and seems like they're delivering on it. So, I'd like the opposite Switch, Nintendo. I would like the one that can't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. The um, Because my son really wants a Switch, and I know he's going to break it. Yeah. So, 
So I would love to have the Nintendo standstill or whatever, the Switch Heavy <laughs> instead of the Switch Lite or something that that cannot be that has no battery, that has no screen, and just connects to your T and just connects to you to your TV as a box. Um, uh huh. Just the, um, just has the Joy Cons as the removable part. It's the only part that's not yeah. connected to your entertainment yeah. system. Yes. Yes. That I now I I I guess that's not so popular since people like the portability of the Switch, but uh you know, some people like the Switch for the games. Yeah. You know, they they like the they like they like the Switch for the games. Like my son really wants it because his friend ha his friends have it and they like to play Mario Maker. Yeah. And he likes Mario Maker. Um so but you know, there's nothing inherently portable about about that, right? You know. Meanwhile, we're gonna get him this three hundred dollars switch. He's gonna drop it, and it's gonna like. Yeah, and um, it's and it will quickly uh, become a home only system anyway because the screen is gone. Oh, <laughs> uh, if if it continues working after that, then yes. But um, <laughs> but the yeah, so that's. That's kind. Of, that's kind of the thing. I think um, that would be nice. Plus, if they could make it more of more of a competitive price with the Xbox and PlayStation Four, which you can now get for about two hundred dollars each. Yeah. Um, which this light version is now in that range. Right. But clearly not. Clearly not a direct competitor to the Xbox or PlayStation because it's it's portable only. Right. Um. So. Nintendo definitely, uh, ever ever since the Wii, Nintendo has been like, all right, we're our own thing. Microsoft and Sony, y'all can fight all you want. We're our own thing, and we don't care what you're up to. <laughs> they definitely yeah. do well, not consider themselves to be in the same industry as Microsoft and Sony. They are their own. They're their own marketplace. They do it because of their exclusive IP. Yeah, um, and how the controllers and everything else just just kind of cute in the way that people expect from Nintendo. Nintendo is sort of like the I don't know cute anime of of uh, of consoles. Yeah, you know it's like yeah. So because because yeah, they're still going to want it. They're still heavily rooted in in Japanese culture, whereas even Sony, who is theoretically a Japanese company, isn't really. You know what I mean? <laughs> they they've definitely adopted yep. the the Western ideals for gaming, and Nintendo's like, no, nah, we're still us. We're you'll like us or you won't, and that's fine. Right. So people, so people, you know. So yes. Uh, the Switch has been a great achievement by Nintendo after the incredible failure of the Wii U. Um, you had thought maybe they maybe they were stumbling on their way out, and then this has become a revelation and created its own gaming category. Mm -hmm. The the fact now, that I they had the question is they had a, a huge history behind them. You know, the company's either right at or right around a hundred years old. Uh, a couple of bad quarters over the Wii U. I wasn't, 
I wasn't worried about them going away, but you know, it was the first time in their corporate history that they were having quarterly losses, which is an insane situation from one really terrible console idea that two of our former co-hosts were adamant was going to be the best thing to ever happen to gaming. I'd like to be able to harass both of them today about it, but I can't. It's okay. <laughs> uh, well, what what can you do? But that's uh, so. I mean, good for them. They're gonna they're gonna sell a lot of these, particularly in time for the holiday season. Yeah. Um. It it fills a niche that um that they want that they want to fill. So. And it allows them to to yeah. finally after after eight years on the market allows them to finally put the 3DS out to pasture, which, you know, it, when you consider the capabilities of, of the Switch versus the 3DS, I, it's, not, it's not even like a fair comparison. We were talking in the Pilch Point about the Raspberry Pi 3 versus 4, and, you know, the difference between the 3DS and the Switch make those two look like identical hardware. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is unbelievable how different the 3DS and the Switch are. You know what else I should bring on as a show and tell one of these times? It's in the other room because my son was playing with it. I also received a, a retro kit that looks exactly like a Game Boy. <gasps> it looks exactly like a Game Boy. You got one of those? And yes. I was literally reading about exactly one this morning. Like... So here's the thing, and I really mean to write about it. I just blame myself for the problem with it. So it's a, again, the software is the issue, not the hardware. So I think it's called GPI or something is the company. They sent a couple of them to our office on unsolicited. Um, and it was really easy to put it together. You just need a Raspberry Pi zero or zero W, which I have stacks of. Sure. Um, and it, it didn't take long to put it, to put it together physically. The problem is, once again, these companies make the hardware. They don't make the software. So what are you going to use for it? So uh, RetroPie, which is the most popular thing around, is not really designed to be used with a single D-pad and four, I think it's like four buttons and a D-pad. Yeah. Right. Four buttons, a D-pad, a select button, and a start button. Right. So a lot of the games get very confused when you're trying to play it. And, like, my number one problem that I've had with RetroPie that really annoys me and happens all the time on this thing because it doesn't have a ton of buttons is that you get trapped in a game and you can't get out. Like, there's supposed to be a, key, a button combination where if you want to go back to the menu, you can hit, like, start and select and it'll take you back to menu sure but ha but like more than half the time that doesn't work and so you're like oh i'm you know yeah. now the only way to get to change games is to turn to physically turn the power off and reboot it so oh so, so exact exactly like a game boy <laughs> oh really okay <laughs> um, well yeah because so you had to switch a cartridge out and you couldn't do that live you couldn't hot swap the the Game Boy cartridges. The funny thing, I should, I really should bring this on. They have a 
there actually looks like the cartridge is removable, but what the cartridge is is the Raspberry Pi. So, oh, like the cartridge is the container where you put the Pi Zero and screw it in, and then you pop it in. Although there's no reason to remove it ever, right? Uh, and then you pop it in, and then That's the case cool. has like a battery container where you put like I think four AA batteries, and it has the screen and the buttons and um, four double A's. So they've really nailed. It works. They've really nailed what a what an original Game Boy was. You got to power it yeah, off to change the, the games. One... It runs on four double A's. They've re- they've really nailed the original Game Boy. The powered off to change the games though is not the I... responsibility of the people who made it. It's I know. The res- it's the problem with the emulator system, which has been a problem on many machines for me, unfortunately. They see, it seems that the best way to, to deal with emulators is to always have a keyboard attached with an escape key. Um, but that's not exactly the experience you want when you've got a bunch, when you've got, you know, arcade machine yeah. in front of you. Sure. Well, you know, the, the interesting thing about, about this, this, this topic is just how ingrained uh, portable gaming is in the Nintendo history. Um, you know, since, since they they changed from being a, a card company primarily to being a video game company primarily, um, you know, portable gaming has been has really been a huge focus for them because the Game Boy came out surprisingly not that long after the NES. Like they were only a couple years separated, so you know the the idea that portable gaming. And Nintendo are, are synonymous. Absolutely makes sense because we're sitting here talking about emulating the the first Nintendo handheld thirty years later. Um, so it in this case it, it I guess it makes sense that they would stay on that on that portable trajectory uh, with the Switch Lite. But I'm definitely with you. Uh, I I would like to see a home version. Because I think you're not the only scenario in which trying to hide the console would be <laughs> futile <laughs> for for home yeah. for home use. Um, but at least they they have listened. They've come out with a, a less expensive model of what they've got, um, and they've also fixed the battery life, which has been a huge complaint for regular users of the original. So, good job, Nintendo, for listening to your fans. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is probably powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let these guys do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities such as, uh, let's see, let's go with Soapy the Germ Fighter. Don't know what to do about that. My guess is that's one of the short films that are available. So the way it usually works is for a couple of dollars. You download the MP3, uh, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to uh, exist and laugh. Um, from time to time they do uh, live events uh, their next live event we knew it recently I don't 
I don't have it now. Uh, August 15th, the giant spider invasion will be in theaters nationwide. Uh, in, in addition to their, uh, their full-length films, they've also got um, uh, short uh, industry films, those terrible movies your teachers used to show you in elementary school when they didn't want to teach or whatever. Um, they've got all of those. And to find out what full-length films, what shorts, and what theaters the live event will be available in, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. We've talked about it a couple of times. It's had its ups, it's had its downs, and it is officially over. It is Google's very controversial um, search engine designed specifically for China that was called Project Dragonfly in front of a uh, Senate uh, Judiciary Committee, um, Karen Batia, Google's vice president of public policy, said, we have terminated Project Dragonfly. Now, uh, the company claims that this should not be new information to anybody. However, in the past, they have said that they were not actively working on a product for China. Uh, they said that in March, but not actively working on and can't and terminated are not the same thing. Um, at this point, the project is dead. Uh, employees have been transferred to other projects and they are not seeking uh, any engagement with China on this topic, which is probably a great idea because Google has had employees walk out. They have had an employee protest. They even had a 14-year veteran, uh, which puts them probably in the in the early 20s as far as employee numbers um, uh, executive leave the company over this project, especially and with all of the things that are happening between the West and China, now's probably not the time to engage with a product that was designed specifically to censor things like human rights, democracy, uh, um, peaceful protest, those types of terms. Uh, th this is probably not the time for a Western company to engage on that. You know, they're already having trouble with whether or not Android is going to be allowed in China. You know, they're, they're having their enough problems right now. Uh, terminating this is probably in, in everybody's best interest. What do you think, Abram? Yeah, well, it doesn't sound like it's good publicity for them, and they don't really need the negative publicity right now. So, you know, that's... Uh... That's a that's a, le a legit concern. On the other hand, from Google's point of view, somebody is going to service that market. Right now, somebody it's, already is. Yeah, right now it's Baidu that right. kind of owns China. The idea that a Western company coming into coming into China with nothing new to offer, you know, if they're they're forced to have the same censorship and everything. Uh, <laughs> was it going to be a success yeah. anyway? Who knows? Yeah, hard to say, right? How are they going to compete? Well, Google does have name recognition. 
uh, around the world. So I guess somebody could say, oh, yeah, Google, this is what they use in other countries. Little do we know that it's not really giving us all the results. On the other hand, though, I would hazard to say that Google does a fantastic job with its algorithms. So they probably, on the results they are allowed to show, uh, probably give you good, good, uh, good result, the best results you can get. And, and, you know, in, in fairness um, to, to their brand recognition, even in China, you know, it was, granted, it was almost, almost a decade ago. It was uh, March of 2010. Uh, Google pulled out of China uh, over this topic. In particular, they refused to censor their, their results. Um, and so they, their decision was, we're out. So, you know, they, they existed in China. So people who have been on the internet right. for a so, while would have already recognized them as, as a search engine, not just the provider of the operating system for their, their Huawei or their ZTE phones. But they do have a problem then with credibility if they come out with this Project Dragonfly because it's like, hey, we said that we weren't going to do censorship, but now we changed mm. our mind. Yeah. It is a different regime today than it was at that at that time. Uh, totally different people in charge of the company today because that was before the guys came back. That was that was when you know, Sergey wasn't with the company. So, you know, it's, it definitely shows a willingness to change the corporate culture, not necessarily for the better, which I think is where so many of the employees took, took issue is you guys made a stand a decade ago and now you're, uh, maybe we don't care about that so much. So, yeah, I think that's where employees, had concerns you know uh there was a there was a congressional letter that was sent to to google over it a lot of people had concerns so i think we kind of all expected that this would be the end result <laughs> especially after that letter came uh but but it it's here officially so so there we go This week's DRM Not Included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. We talked about it earlier, but there are all kinds of benefits to uh, Amazon Prime in addition to uh, Prime Day, which was this week, uh, that you get. The first is Amazon Prime Music, which gives you several million tracks available to stream for free as part of your subscription. And there's Abram's favorite Amazon Prime Video, which has movies, TV shows, documentaries, both original and licensed content available, again, as part of your existing subscription. Then there's my favorite, which is Twitch Prime. You get one free uh, Twitch subscription, which you can use to help support your favorite streamer. You can use it to subscribe to Plug Hits Live or anybody else. Uh, you also get free games every month uh, for your PC that you can, uh, they're yours, play them, enjoy them lots of of fun games you also get a whole bunch of extras including um you know uh 
a special tank for World of Tanks, and you get stuff for Warframe. And right now, if you are a Nintendo Switch subscriber, uh, Switch Online, or if you're a Switch owner, whether you've had one for a while or you're just getting one of the uh, the new Switch Lights or the uh, the new model of the Switch primary that we talked about, you can get Switch Online for a year for free. And we've got a 30-day free trial if you're not already a subscriber, and we've got quick links to all of these features and more, all by going to f5live.tv slash prime. I'm not going to lie, when I go to Prime Video on the computer, I actually go through, through that link because I can not always find it easily. Anyway... <laughs> A quick link is wonderful. Anyway, so uh, let's let's stay in that uh, in that arena of of uh, video streaming. Let's talk about Netflix that announced their quarterly numbers this week, which were not what they had hoped. Uh, they had expected actually to have a subscriber growth of about five million new paid subscribers uh, in the United States. They ended up with two point seven million new. Uh, their primary uh, reasoning for this is the price increase that we saw uh, go into effect during the quarter, and they believe that that drove uh, subscriber numbers, existing subscribers, to back away. So maybe their new numbers would be up, but their growth overall is down. Um, but uh, they also believe that that their licensed content might actually be um, a hindrance to their subscriber growth. And here's the explanation. Um, the idea is that they've done a lot of research and they see that when they lose um, licensed content, including uh, high-profile licensed content, uh, that the subscribers that were actively engaged with that content go and switch to something else. They tend not to leave Netflix, they tend to just switch to something else, um, oftentimes over to Netflix Originals. And so, uh, engaging two topics at once, first being their subscriber growth, and second being the imminent loss of both The Office and Friends, both of which have been announced in this past quarter. Um, the company said that the very large amount of money that they were spending on those contracts um, to have access to the office and friends and other licensed content uh, was more than it was returning. And so uh, that would return money into their pockets that they could use for Netflix originals, which we know the company has already said that they're going to be more judicious about. And they confirmed that, uh, during their their uh, quarterly uh, call or letter or whatever it was, um, because like we've talked about, for every for every Stranger Things, there's a girl boss. You know, for every massive success uh, like Bird Box, there's Gypsy. So you know they've they've had some pretty severe flops in their originals because they were just throwing money after anybody who made noise in their direction. So they have confirmed that they're going to stop doing that and start being more careful with their money and with things like friends in the office uh, contracts coming up, they're going to have some more of it to, uh, to focus on. So they seem pretty 
uh, okay about the future. So and that that's a big thing with so many new services coming up to challenge their dominance. Yeah, and yet they've canceled some shows that were, were pretty decent because they have some type of formula that says, mm-hmm. I read this somewhere that like, they don't like shows to be on for more than three seasons and more than like eight episodes per season. They've done some study about this. Now, granted, you expect the really, really high-end shows like Stranger Things will get a fourth season. Um, but, you know, Orange is the New Black got more than three seasons, mm-hmm. whatever. But, um, you know, they're, they've really, they've killed... They've killed some good shows, like, for example, my favorite killed Netflix show, The Santa Clarita Diet, mm-hmm. like after after three seasons because, oh, that's it. We do three seasons and we're done. Right. And and yet they're spending all this money on showing people like 90s reruns mm-hmm. that they could watch on, I don't know, TV land or something. Right. Like, which I is I don't even understand the people who want to watch Friends over and over. Yeah, uh, Friends isn't one of my go-tos, but The Office is. Um, it's one of the things I, I put on when I'm going to sleep, because I know every episode, and so it's not going to distract me, but it's noise. Uh, the way some people put on music, I use things like The Office for that. But for me, switching over to the NBC streaming service is no big deal for the, for the same thing. You know, okay, whatever. Um. But yeah, you know, for for Netflix, the idea that they're that they're really kind of leaning into the idea of, you know, people are people are coming to us specifically today for our for our original content, the 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 Stranger Things, the Bird Box, that you know, think content like that. That that's that's what's driving you know new subscribers, and they're they're leaning into it, but they're going to try to avoid, you know big failures like Chelsea and they're going to focus more on, you know, critical and consumer successes like big mouth. You know, I think that's, I think that's a smart move for them to stop just throwing money out there and hoping it sticks. It's not pasta. (laughs) So I, I, I think all of this is probably pretty good. Obviously internally, they've got to be having conversations about things like the new AT&T Turner service, the new NBC service, the fact that Disney Plus is coming to to steal all of their their Disney Lucas Marvel uh and and Pixar stuff. You know, there's it, it's a it's a significantly stranger uh market today than it was a year ago and it's going to be even stranger 12 months from today. Um, and it's going to be way harder for them to compete. So trying to play the licensed game, you know, why spend a whole lot of money and a tremendous amount of money. If you saw like, I don't remember what the exact number was, but the last contract for friends was ridiculous. Uh, there was no way it was ever going to pay for itself. It was like a hundred million dollars for a year. Yeah. Something like that. There was no way that was ever going to pay for itself. That's stupid. There's there at yes at an average of what eleven dollars a month for for 
most subscribers, how many new subscribers were they going to have to get in the year to pay for that? Nuh-uh. Not going to happen. <laughs> also, who are the people who are like, I'm going to sign up so just so I can watch Friends. Right. Couldn't you just, if you really like that, if you really like that show, which I do not, couldn't you just like buy a box set of it once or something and be done? I mean. Right. It, there was no I mean, way that something like Friends was going to make your decision on whether it was Netflix, Hulu, or Amazon Prime Video that you were using. You know what I mean? Yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't make make any sense now like you know seeing the trailer for star trek picard like yeah that makes me want to subscribe to cbs all access finally something that makes me want to subscribe to that one because seeing seeing uh data Um, and seven of nine show up in the the comic-con video trailer yep yes i'm in and the the girl from the newsroom who is obviously going to be an important character and she was She's a great actor. I, I'm i in now, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, they're going to have Riker and Troy in it, they said. So uh-huh. it's like, it's it's crazy. Yeah, you got you got to watch it. So There was no way yes, Riker wasn't going to be in it. He's an executive producer. There was no way he didn't end up on, yeah. on camera at some point. Yeah. So, so they're, you know, they're going to... You know, those are the things you do to get subscribers, mm-hmm. not exactly, not exactly. So you know they're they're really leaning into it. They're going to focus on their original content, and they're going to start letting the the big budget uh, licensed content expire and let it go back to whoever it goes back to. And you know what? I'm okay with that. If they're gonna if they're gonna start focusing and stop throwing money at nonsense, which I think is important. I mean, there's a Family Guy episode about how they, for a while, they were throwing money at any comedian that nobody had ever heard of to do Netflix comedy specials. Um, You know, they're going to start being judicious with their money and only produce things that they think are going to have good returns. Huh, what a concept. Uh, I, I think that's a much better idea than let's make sure we have the office. Eh. Not that worried about it because the NBC streaming service is going to be free. So you know what, you're not going to have to make a decision on that. <laughs> you're still going to get the office, and it's not going to cost you anything extra. So you'll be fine. <laughs> it's okay. I think that's the. I, I think that's a, a smart business move for them. And that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. We had some people in the chat room tonight. We always appreciate that. Um, If you did not join us live and would like to in the future, f5live.tv slash join us Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. You'll see the video in the chat room show up right there for you. But if you want to engage with us on other platforms, oh, excuse me, I got hiccups all of a sudden. Uh, If you want to engage on other platforms, there are links to that as well. Um, and if you have joined us live and would like to listen again, you can always go to plugkidslive.com slash subscribe, and there you'll see all of our shows, F5 Live, The Pilch Point, Plugkids Live Presents, uh, First Looks, uh, New Product Launchpad, and a whole bunch more are all available there, including The 3000 Brigade Presents, which will uh, have two new episodes going up 
over the next couple of weeks, which I'm very excited about. Uh, both great episodes. So uh, definitely check out all of that. And I guess with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we will see you guys back next time. Ciao.